Hello, listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, joined here today by comedian Daniel Kozu. You may have read his work on The Hard Times in Infinite Worlds magazine or his book titled Lingeria. He now hosts the Extra Mundane Podcast, a show that is a huge amount of fun where he interviews and talks to uh, cryptids, aliens, all the creatures we talk about here on the show today. Uh, please go check it out. And then, uh, Dan, we're just going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, man. I'm, re- I'm really stoked to have you on the show. So, Jake, roll the tape. Welcome to the show. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I was uh, really excited to hear about your show because it's something that I've always thought would be so much fun. Yeah. uh... Yeah. In my in my head, I I've thought that if we ever got like we've had people approach us and say, you know, we you know, we'll do like a we'll do like an alien show with you or whatever. And we're always like, no, that sounds dumb and whatever. <laughs> but the only, the one that I would love to do, or the one I think would be so funny would be like a, a UFO hunter comedy show that shows them just like what it really is like to be a UFO hunter, you know? So like you're peeing in a Gatorade bottle <laughs> at a truck stop waiting, you know what I mean? Like, or go, yeah. Going to talk to people who are like, you know, anyways, that would be pretty fun. So tell us a little bit about your show. Yeah, sure. It's called The Extra Mundane with Max Ward, and I play uh, Max Ward. Uh, and it's it's sort of an Art Bell type character. So he hosts a uh, interview, a paranormal interview show. But not only does he interview like ghost hunters and uh, sort of the, the human aspects, but he also has on like the Mothman and Bigfoot and aliens to talk about their experience as well. And so that's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's mostly improvised. Uh, I have on com- improv comedians and I just kind of uh, harass them with questions and and force them into bizarre areas of their personalities. So we don't really kind of, we, I like, uh, I'll have a guy on a be and he'll, I'll be like, okay, or we'll talk about it quickly beforehand and say, and we'll, I'll know he's the Mothman. And then that's really kind of it. And we'll just start talking. And so, uh, and it goes into really strange places and it's it, it, so much fun. Man, that's another good idea for a podcast that was just attacking and berating uh, people who do improv comedy. That might also be really that might also be really fun. So. So your show is kind of an interesting take on. You know, the world of the weird. I mean, I think a lot of people take it. There's like two camps. There's people who take it way too seriously and then people who don't take it seriously enough. You know, and I think by seriously enough, I mean, you know, there are real people that are involved in this. Their their lives really are ruined sometimes by being involved in this subject. Like, you know, it's for a lot of people, it's like a it's like a religious for a lot of people, it is like a religious experience. So what what made you like, are you are you actually interested in these subjects? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I found like I, I my best comedy comes from things I love. And that's why I write for the hard times, which is punk and metal and uh, and paranormal. I've been obsessed with my entire life. And it, that's where I can find comedy because I, I like to come at it from a place of of love and a place of uh respect and I, i'm not looking to to make people look stupid i'm not making trying to make people look uh make this like look dumb but i also love comedy for people who don't seem to have much of a sense of humor like punks and metalheads there is i mean obviously the part times is, is pretty big and so that's why there are a lot of people who have a sense of humor about it but they're kind of known for not and that's another reason i really like this idea was that it's sort of 
poking fun at people who don't typically like to be have fun poked at them. But it is from a place of love. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually really funny. So just literally like minutes before we got on the air here on the air as if we're going out live and this is not going to be carefully curated by Jake, you know, minutes before this came out, uh, Jeremy Corbell, who some would say is playing a character. Um, Jeremy Corbell came out and said, you know, or he put out this video that he got from someone on a, uh, on a Navy ship of a UFO supposedly, you know, dropping down into the ocean. Um, And it's like a huge leak and, and everything else. And, you know, literally within like moments of that going up on Twitter, people were ripping each other's throats out, you know, <laughs> like, there, you know, Mick West, this famous skeptic was like the first one to come out and be like, well, I think this might be a balloon. And people were like, it's not a balloon, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, it gets so heated so quickly. And yeah, it's people don't really have a sense of humor about this, I think, because really it's it's become like. I think I actually think it's really similar to kind of the punk or metal or like just music scenes in general, where it's more than just, you know, my favorite band of all time growing up was the Smashing Pumpkins and Billy Corgan is a hilarious dick. You know, like I I can laugh at that and know that Billy Corgan is like not really someone to look up to. Right. But his music really spoke to me. still really speaks to me. They're still my favorite band. But for a lot of people, it becomes their it becomes their personality. Exactly. It becomes them. Yeah. And that, yeah. And I, 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 I think I was almost there at one point, like I think in your 20s. And that's the weird thing about the Internet. You don't know if you're talking to like, I mean, I'm almost 40, but you don't know if you're talking to like a 20 year old or even like a 16 year old who's taking things way too seriously like I did. And so there's like no age on the Internet. But when they and so when people get really mad, you're kind of picturing somebody like a peer and it's really not sometimes. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, you're hundred percent correct. It's very rarely, you know, I'm 85. Like you never know. No, you, <laughs> it, it's true though. You never know if you're talking to somebody who's, there have been a number of times on Twitter, especially where you get into it with someone who's into UFOs. who's just like constantly trolling you. And then you're like, wait a second. This person only seems to attack me when school is out. Oh my God. (laughs) You're like, I am fighting with a fifth grader, you know? And like the probably him calling me a poopy head should have been my first hint that something was off there. But, but like on all these paranormal, like subreddits that I follow and stuff, there's always, there's people who are just like, like somebody will post a video and be like, Oh, this is like, they'll, and they'll just shoot it down immediately. And then you're like, why do you follow these? Like, why do you make your existence like to prove people wrong? We're just having fun with this. Of course, that's probably not a chupacabra crossing the street, but it's just fun to watch. And like for somebody like their existence is to swoop in and, and bring reality to you is just, Oh, it's just, I don't know. It's sad for them. I guess it's, it is interesting. It's, I think it is very much so like the internet is a really, the internet has been good for some things, but really, really, I think bad for like, usually, you know, you read stories about like, I don't know, the 1800s or like the 1700s uh, where, you know, every town had like one cantankerous asshole. You know what I mean? And the Internet has just allowed every town's cantankerous assholes to get together and like shout at you at once. And 
And also, I think because like there is an inertia to the Internet where, you know, we get this with podcast reviews. People only leave reviews if they really love you or they really hate you. You know, there's no no one is leaving a review for us and being like, eh, they're all right. You know, I'll, I'll listen to them. I'll listen to them if there's nothing else going on. They're either like, this is my favorite podcast and we love them or they're posting like, you know, you can tell how fat that guy is by the way he breathes on Mike. And, you know, you're like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm seen this. This podcast was hysterical. One star. Like what? Right. Right. Or there. Yeah. Or you just get people who don't know how a rating system works. You know, I thought poor meant great, like poor in spirits, the Beatitudes, right? Or the Brit in spirit. Um, and that's like when I and that's the and I, I don't know if you're the same, but you dwell on the bad reviews and you kind of forget like my book. It's not a bragging thing, but it, it for people who like humorous fantasy. I mean, it's people enjoy it. And so it, it like the few reviews that it did got were quite good, except I got like one one star and I still think about it. I literally it's it was on Goodreads and I literally messaged them and I'm like, you gave it one star, but you didn't review it. Can you just tell me why you hated it? I won't tell anybody. I just need to know. And they never responded. And I should have just let it go. Oh, my God. No, it's. It's really sometimes sometimes those reviews are really well thought out and written. You know, we had we had one at the beginning when we first started the show, we would occasionally dip into the politics a little bit. And, you know, Marie and I are our coastal liberal elites. So that didn't go over super well. (laughs) You know, we we have like I'm less liberal than well. I I don't know. Marie, we have we have political beliefs of some kind. And they tend to lean more on the liberal side of things. Uh, And, you know, I think for a lot of people who listen to the paranormal who are interested in this stuff, they do just want it to be funny and fun. Yeah. And that's where a show like yours, I think, is so good because it lets it be fun and funny and not a. And not a kind of a heavy way where when we make it fun and funnier, the way that we view it is we also always try to say, like, look, we like this is hilarious that this guy is bringing, you know, people are paying this guy thousands of dollars to go on a UFO cruise with him. But like that could be your grandma <laughs> like spending her Social Security check. Yeah, I talked about that a lot with with a producer that uh, is helping me with the show is where because we, we wanted to be fun and we were like, well, because. When you deal with paranormal stuff, it's really easy to kind of slip into the conspiracy theory stuff, which is fine. But we're like right now with Q and, and the Capitol riot and everything, we, we decided to kind of stay away from that because we were, we were talking about doing like have somebody from the Illuminati on, which we probably will do. But at this moment, we're like, this is just not the time. This is like mm-hmm. we really just kind of wanted to bring joy to people and, and, and be as silly as possible. And uh, yeah, so we, we really are trying to um, to stay away from politics in this just at least for the time being because it's i mean you you can go anywhere for that right now and uh we really kind of wanted to stick out as as something a little different than what everybody else is talking about on twitter right right yeah and i'm glad i'm glad you bring up the truth of QAnon. um i'm just i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um (laughs) oh shit what show did i sign up for it's a game is real yeah this is bad when I, i guess so on the show itself there, right? Because there are a lot of there are a lot of figures like Art Bell, for example, is a figure who 
I think a lot of people in UFO world or kind of the paranormal world in general view as sort of a hero as someone that they really looked up to because they felt like he was the, you know, the first like voice of reason. But when you listen to those old episodes, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it is sort of a comical character. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and he he did a good job of kind of steering away from. I mean, there's conspiracy theories, but like when George Norrie took over, which is actually where I kind of came in. I kind of knew, like, I knew Art Bell, uh, and probably heard, and heard a few episodes, but I didn't start like listening religiously until George Norrie was there. Yeah, no. He he yeah. tended to push the the right right leaning conspiracies a little bit more, and the the it's all going to fall apart, and you're going to need to bury gold in your backyard uh, more than Art did, at least in, at least from what I remember. No, yeah, Nori, I think, and that's what's kind of interesting, too, is I think a lot of fans consider or think of Nori as, like, the downfall of of the good, you know, the quality of Coast to Coast AM. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like like you, that's the era that I got. That's that's when I listened, you know? Yeah. And and really going back and listening to those older shows, you can kind of tell the difference and, and appreciate it and everything else. So what are some what are some topics you guys are you have planned coming up? Sure. Well, we have our first episode is out and we have Ghost Hunters and uh, that uh, I'm pulling a lot from Atlanta comedy. I'm in Atlanta. And so I'm pulling a lot of Atlanta comedians from a, a semi-famous uh, improv uh, uh, stage here called Dad's Garage. And uh, if you watch uh, Archer, uh, a few of the voices on Archer are from Dad's Garage and things like that. And so we have some uh, their Ghost Hunters for uh, it ended up. And that's and that's kind of how the show goes when they arrive. Uh, it's very, I've already repeated this, sorry, so we can cut this part out. Did I already state about how it's improv? Yeah, I did. So anyway, uh, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> it's all good, you're fine. You're good, you're good, you're good. When we started, uh, all I, all they told me was that they wanted to be ghost hunters, and that's all they were going to kind of tell me. And so it ended up morphing into how they were only animal ghost hunters, they were only hunting for animal ghosts, and then they became possessed by animals, and then we started like, and so it goes into kind of very strange areas where uh where we just kind of play around and so uh we have uh Vinny van helsing is on the show where he's the great 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 grandson of, of van helsing <laughs> we got the mothman that was a big get we had to work with his agent on that one but we got sure. the mothman coming on oh, man. uh we have a, a medium and her ghost they they're going to be on soon and uh we're working on getting the florida skunk ape we haven't gotten in contact with bigfoot or yeti yet but the florida skunk ape is interested he's shown some interest so uh we're tracking down amelia Earhart. <laughs> nice oh my goodness oh that's so fun you'll be able to get her to tell you where the hell that damn plane is that'll be exciting oh man you uh i, I mean i'm excited i'm excited for when you guys get your ufo investigators on there i've got i've got some contacts maybe i could put i got some people i can maybe put you in contact with i really appreciate we've already fun. had we we had a shape-shifting alien on already but we haven't had any <laughs> alien hunters on so we should really get them together actually. oh my god yeah absolutely no they find you know make their dreams come true uh so what was uh, OK, so the show, I think, kind of, you know, it, it sounds really great. It's makes total sense. You're trying to make this more of a sort of funny angle to this stuff. What I get. Do you what what was your introduction to this subject as a kid? Was it Art Bell or was it like, did you have a book? Was there a story that you remember being really freaked out at, you know, by as a kid? I was obsessed with aliens and I don't know. I feel like. I, it was before the X-Files because I remember the X-Files starting and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm already knee deep in this. Mm -hmm. And but I, I don't quite remember the timeline, but I was I, I think 
America kind of went through a, a, a alien obsession in the 90s, uh, even before X-Files started, but I can't quite remember. But I actually bought communion at a truck stop on a on a uh it's the only place they sell it yeah on a road trip with my family because it had like a ufo on the cover and i assumed it was a fictional well whether or not it's fictional is up to you but i thought it was just a a book like a michael crichton type book oh man scared the hell out of me especially reading it like at night in a hotel in the middle of nowhere, like South Dakota, I think I was at that. Oh, my God, dude. South Dakota is scary on its own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's oh, my God. My. um, My wife tells a story of her and her mom went through South Dakota. This is totally unrelated to aliens, by the way. They they went through South Dakota to visit a relative. They have like this like this like hundred year old relative who lives in the Dakotas. And he's like super sweet and nice and everything. And but he just lives so far away from like every other member of their family that people don't often get out to visit him. So anyways, we lived in Minnesota for a while. We lived in the Twin Cities. So we were like the closest we were ever going to be probably to this guy's house. So they, you know, we went and visited him a couple of times. And they so they went through South Dakota. I can't again, I think he lives in South Dakota, but whatever. But they they tell this story about stopping at a place called like the corn crutch. And it, and it was like this, like scary kind of tr- like trucker bar on the side of the road. And my wife and her mom like go in and they had to use the bathroom and then like people were eyeing them and they just jetted out of there. <laughs> they were like, get out of the court. We got to get out of the crutch. And, um, Every time I mention how I want to go to, I want to go back to the Dakotas to go on like a road trip or something. My wife is like, we're not going to the corn crutch. We are not going to the corn crutch, Chris. Um, Communion. I think communion was. I remember being a kid and seeing the cover of communion and being so freaked out by it. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I didn't read that book until I was in college. Cause I was like, it's too scary. Like this is too intense for me, you know? And then, yeah, and then you read it and it's like. Uh, <laughs> it is it, it is communion. It is. It's yeah, it is. Yeah, and but, I probably wouldn't have read it. I, I'm having really trouble with like my timeline. But yeah, I probably wouldn't have read it if I didn't think it was just I like I led not a sheltered childhood, but I was I was ignorant maybe of a lot of things. And mm-hmm. so I didn't know that like kind of these scary things like I kind of knew Stephen King. And so maybe that, but I hadn't read it. So I didn't really know what horror was or what really anything scary kind of was. Uh, so yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have read it had I kind of thought about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny, actually, I think as a kid, you're, it's easy to kind of get your wires crossed with what is supposed to be horror and what is supposed to be comedy, especially because, you know, comedy and horror are in some ways like very similar, like not, we're getting into like deep, deep philosophy here, but like, you know, uh, they both kind of, you know, they both cause you to have reactions that you wouldn't normally have. And it's kind of like a spontaneous reaction. And, um, and some horror movies are so campy and silly that, you know, now, like, like now as an adult, some of my favorite funny movies that I will watch are, were actually horror. You know, they were shot as horror movies in like the sixties. Right. So, um, but like, even like, I, I think the, um, signs by m night Shyamalan. it's not the greatest movie but it scares the crap out of me and it's kind of hysterical like not yeah. in a bad way like his jokes are solid 
and so uh i think i think nervous laughter is is kind of the 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 best for uh horror movies if it can really make you laugh uh yeah yeah it kind of hits that it hits a weird sweet spot you know yeah um i remember when i was a kid the first time i my the first time my mom tried to get me to watch young frankenstein i was too afraid <laughs> like and like my mom was like what are you you're an idiot what's wrong with you like it's not scary this is funny and i'm like this is frankenstein you know and i was freaked out and then i finally watched it and like legitimately ended up peeing my pants um because of how funny it was yeah it's so it's a weird it's a weird thing all right so communion communion was kind of the first thing that you really remember sticking out to you have you kept up with it over the years like have you i read an, i read maybe the second one i can't even remember the names anymore but i did read another one like a couple years later, like I didn't, again, like I kind of, the internet hadn't quite existed. So you couldn't really figure out unless you really did a deep dive and like that there were more books and things like that. Or I was just a moron. I don't know. But uh, so I, a few years later, I did try another one. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever read in my life. Like it just, it really didn't either. I was older or it, like, and a lot of people say that the other books don't really hold up as much. The longer, the longer these subjects go, I think the more, the older books stick around because they are, they get the sheen almost of history to them, you know, or the patina of history. So that like, like looking at communion or let's not, let's not take communion because communion is kind of its own interesting thing. And there's a lot of history there and whatever, but like the interrupted journey was one of the first UFO books I ever read. That one is you know, it's the first case of alien abduction and the first case that had hypnosis in it. The first case that had, the car kind of shutting down in that same way. Like it, it really was, if we're thinking about like the kind of Martin you know, the mile markers on the road towards uh, idiocy that we're on today, you know, it's an important stop, you know, it's, it's their corn crutch. So with the Betty and Barney Hill case, it, people look back at it today and think this is such an important one in the book with all of its errors and flaws or whatever, the case is so good because they're looking back at it and thinking or kind of not remembering all of the other media and all the other stuff that was around at the time, you know? So like if we think about like communion, right. You know, the idea of like a gray, a grayish skinned alien with big eyes uh, taking you into a ship or something that had already long been a trope in the UFO world before Whitley Strieber wrote it. But it, but that that had been a trope as part of literature since like the 1800s. Really? Yeah. And so, you know, what we're really bad at, I think, as a culture is recognizing that a lot of these stories have, like, we've been telling the same like 25 stories, right. <laughs> you know, since the beginning of time. You know, the idea of like, and that's why shows like Ancient Aliens get so popular. Those ideas become popular because people are like, did you know the Egyptians had stories about magical creatures pulling people out of their beds? And it's like, yeah, every single culture has ever had them. It's why we have them. Right. You know, because it just continued. No, you know, everything is a reboot. But in the same, in the same sense, I'd almost say like, it's people kind of say like, well, isn't it weird that uh, like, like, oh yeah. Once this guy said that he saw a saucer uh, shaped craft everybody started seeing saucer shaped crafts and flying saucer became a part of the 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 vernacular and it's like well yeah but if you ask somebody to describe a duck and ask another person to describe a duck they've both seen a duck they're gonna describe it the same way so it's it's sort of it could go either way 
Yeah, it becomes well, that's what's so fun about watching or hearing those older stories is now if you read the interrupted journey, like, OK, I tell you that this story is about aliens abducting Betty and Barney Hill. What do you think of like describe how that happens? I, it, it's very like, <laughs> like, how do you think? Like, I guess I guess what I mean is if you had to write a scene describing the Betty, if all you knew was Betty and Barney Hill are driving down a road in New Hampshire and they get abducted by aliens. What do you think that looks like? You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. It would be exactly how well. That's right. Exactly how I've seen it. <laughs> the, the 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 car starts flickering. The the beam of light shoots down. Uh, yeah, yeah, like fire yeah. in the sky. That's I actually exactly. pictured fire in the sky when yes. you said the hills. Yeah, yeah. no, hundred percent right. So the so the car stops because the aliens like zap it with a magnet or whatever, and then. And then, you know, Barney looks at Betty and is like, oh, my God. And then a light beam comes down. They fall asleep or whatever. They get abducted up. They're tested on with medical devices. They're shot back into the car. They go on their merry way. Betty and Barney Hill, the aliens set up a roadblock. (laughs) They literally were like wearing hard hats and vests and were like, you know, they stopped them. And then they took them out of the car by hand and walked them up their ship. Well, up, up, to, up a ramp to their ship. Okay, yeah. That's interesting up, how your memory, like, yeah, because I've heard that, the Hill story, several, well, like, I haven't read that book, but of course, but everybody's is that, kind of heard it. Well, the thing is that it's not even, it's not even, it's not really memory, right? It's like, it's like cultural memory. Yeah. You just now have an idea of what an abduction must look like, but it, but that's not how it looked, right? In the, in the 60s, an abduction looked like a traffic stop, <laughs> you know, um, so it's a really fascinating thing how over time and now in later years, the Hill story has kind of been morphed by people to say, no, it must have been like modern day events. They're just they were just remembering it that way. Right. Or whatever. And it's the same thing with all these ancient alien theories or whatever. So, you know, I, I think to the argument of like, well, they all must have seen the duck like maybe, but maybe they're all. Maybe there's one guy lying about the duck at every bar in the country. <laughs> and so everyone is like, I've seen a duck, too. You know, and it's like you haven't. You you didn't see the duck, you know. Um, so it's it's just a fascinating like humans. Humans suck, man. Like, it's just rough. Um, but I I don't know. And that's the thing is, I think you're where we especially right now, you have to believe what you believe and you're not allowed to a not be solidified in that you're not allowed to change your mind anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're not allowed to sort of say well like to kind of hedge it and be like well i believe this but i i'm i'm not certain of it like and so uh like i'm trying to think how, like do i think the alien abductions happen me dan do i think maybe i think i think uh, the evidence is out there that it, that it's possible but i i would be willing to go either way my mind is open to both and I think that's kind of, but right now we're like, no, you either believe the alien abductions happen or you don't. And if you do, then in some groups, you're, you're accepted in some groups, you're an out, like an outcast. And I did. And so I don't know. 
No, we're believe me, we're we so it's funny. We hit we we know what that the, the group of podcasters you ran into, I'm sorry to say, <laughs> are in the group where yeah, it's like um it's like when you it, you know what? We're going back to the hard times here. It's like being into ska in high school. Which I was. It's, which I was too. Ska's the best. Ska, ska still defines my life. I don't care what anybody says. I was into um, Christian ska, so I was oh really my, special. Oh my goodness. Christian ska. Oh my goodness. All right. We're going to have to talk about that later. Um, off the air. So, like, we... You know, the only thing I think we can def- say definitively is that people are reporting UFO events, right? You know, but we don't know what they are. We don't know what they're caused by. And in some ways, it, you know, isn't it scarier? Again, if everyone is reporting using your analogy, if a lot of people every year are reporting seeing a duck, isn't it scarier if there's no duck? Like that's so much, that's so much scarier, right? That means that, that means that somebody could make up something out of whole cloth and just push it hard enough and make people believe it and become the vectors of that misinformation. Yeah, absolutely. That's so much scarier than there actually being UFOs. It's like, well, this one guy said he captured Bigfoot and he actually shaved a bear. So all right. Bigfoot are shaved bears. Like, no, that's that doesn't mean that there's not a a weird branch of of bipedal ape out there. Maybe it's not a human, like, but it you don't like or a hairy whatever uh, offshoot of humans, but it could be something we haven't discussed. Like to say that we we have the answer. Like I'm trying to think of how to put this: that somebody somebody's theory is right. Like no, maybe all of our theories are completely wrong. Maybe we are visited by something that abducts people. It may not be an alien. It may not be an interdimensional creature. It may not be the government. Like it could be something, but to think somebody has the answer is, I, I think, um, yeah, yeah, hubris on our account to say it is like, hubris. Yeah, and that's no, like because I'm not very religious anymore, but I I have a spiritual I have a spiritual side to me, and because I don't think that we've ever come up with even a an ounce of what the universe has, and to say like. Well, scientists are proving that that God doesn't exist. And the Christians say, no, God was put in a male form and sent to Earth 2000 years ago. Like, I think there's something there. And I don't I think it's it's stupid for us to think that we'll ever figure it out there. Yeah, there's something there is. The null hypothesis that there's nothing there. Isn't the only, I think, skeptical argument to someone believing in these things. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff that it could be that again, are still worth investigating. But like, like we've been saying here, people get so, so entrenched in their camps and it becomes a part of their, it becomes a part of their uh, personality and their meaning for themselves that by you going and saying, well, me, you know, maybe, you know, the most hate I think we've ever gotten on an episode, there's two of them. The first one was on Morgellons disease or Morgellons, however you want to say it, which is this like it's like a made up. Uh, it's basically people with OCD who don't want to say that they have OCD. But so they like they pick at their skin and they claim that there's like fibers coming out of their skin that the government put there. So that episode we've gotten so much hate for 
And then the other one we did that we've got a lot of hate for the other series, I guess, is on Robert Bigelow, who is this like. If like if you're if you're trying to find like a member of the Illuminati who's like been hunting for UFOs this whole time, Robert Bigelow is like the rich guy who isn't allowed in the club. And so just has been like doing his own thing, you know, and um, so that guy is like responsible for like all, you know, in some ways he's like the root cause. Like he fu- he funded Art Bell back in the beginning. Like this guy is like the root of like modern paranormal everything uh, in some ways. And yet he like. He is very. I I don't even know what word I want to say. He's very sort of like wishy, not wishy washy, but he I think if you ask him and maybe this is just me like lionizing this person that I've I, I think is actually quite cool. Um. I would argue that if you asked him what he thought these things were, he would say, we, I have no idea, you know, and he's spent probably more money to search for them than anyone in history, (laughs) you know, and, but when we did the episode, people came out and were like, you know, people just attacked us because his myth, the mythos that he created around himself has become so entrenched and so like such an important part of UFO lore that if you poke fun at or think that Robert Bigelow isn't really telling the truth or maybe isn't as amazing as people say he is, you're like, it's like attacking the Pope, you know, like it really is like attacking the damn Pope. I feel like we should, uh, I should reach out to him to have him on the extra mundane. I might need to, uh, to reach out to his people. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you might, you might, you might just have to, it'd be pretty fun. I think we're, we're at this point where we've kind of plateaued almost. I feel like where the, the search has to, there has to be an answer at the end of your search. You're not allowed to just explore. We can't be Star Trek anymore where you're just looking for strange new worlds and you're looking, you're always have to be looking for an answer or a cure or a definitive thing. You're not. And I think that's a a fault now where we've become as a culture. And I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to, it's hard to, I think, justify like, you okay? We've talked a lot about UFOs here, but let's look at let's look at ghosts, right? Ghosts is another good example, or even Bigfoot. Bigfoot's a good example of this too. The belief in Bigfoot is basically as old as the belief in UFOs, maybe even older, mm-hmm. in some ways. And yet, Bigfoot has never had the same kind of gravitas that UFOs get. I think because Bigfoot isn't. You know, no one's come out and said Bigfoot is like shutting down our nuclear sites. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Bigfoot's not putting microchips in our brains. Right. Like Bigfoot isn't like abducting our people and like, you know, uh, doing things to them in the night. So but like Bigfoot stories, though, Bigfoot is an area, I think, where people are more comfortable just letting it go without an answer. And it's part of it, I think, is because with UFOs or with these other conspiracies, there's like they're like gritty. You know, it's like a like they they have this like aspect of like military secrets to them and whatever, you know. And so people are like you have some people on Twitter, even like, uh, you know, friend of the show, John Tenney or um, even like the last podcast guys or like a lot of people who just look at this stuff and say, maybe it's all just like a sub like a subconscious 
or maybe it's like a higher consciousness sort of thing, you know? And so maybe it's like, it's like, you know, we've had visits you know, for, for ages, we've talked about visiting the fairy realms and whatever. And like, maybe that's just all part of like what it means to be a human and like eat bad mushrooms, you know, like maybe that's just like a normal part of our experience. But on the other hand, you have some people who I think turn it more into kind of an actionable conspiracy thing. And that's the stuff you guys, you were saying you guys want to stay away from. Um, I think that really is the difference there, but uh, all right. So, okay. Well, I'd quickly to your point, I just, uh, I think the stakes are much higher for aliens than big, like if we, if we captured a Bigfoot, our entire religious system wouldn't crumble underneath that knowledge. We'd be like, Oh, that's weird. I like, I can't believe it. Like fine. But if, if aliens were definitively proven a lot of like, we would have to rethink a lot of religious uh, issues. Uh, It might not like crumble, but the fact that, that we are like definitively not alone in the universe, I think would cause a lot more problems in finding uh, a, a Bigfoot. I guess. I mean, you'd be surprised, though. There is a non there, there is a non negligible component of UFO world that thinks that aliens are just angels and demons. And that just fits super nicely into like evangelicalism, you know, Um so, like, I think most people would just be like, eh, <laughs> I don't think most people would care. Like, I don't know. Um, most people's daily lives would be far more affected by, like, you know, Burger King coming out with like a, a you know, another six, six Whoppers for a dollar deal than like, you know, aliens coming down and be like, we're real. It's gonna be like, well, who cares? You know, Alien, aliens being real does nothing for my 401k. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. What I, I guess what is your if you had to come up with like your your least favorite paranormal topic or the one you think is the most silly, maybe. What do you think that is? Um I'm trying to think. I, I honestly think and I maybe we'll get something, but I, I really think that the silliest one is that there's some sort of shadow government. And, and Illuminati is a little different. You can re, you can define people with lots of wealth and power kind of trying to put their will on a society. I mean, honestly, I do think that's what billionaires do. I don't think that's, I don't know if it has to be secret society or anything, but to say that there's like a shadow government, the government operates the like it's the worst machine ever created. It, it And to think that the people who run that are somehow able to run as some sort of secret operation within us uh, is I, I think ridiculous. Like I think corporations, and this is probably a left versus right, thing but i think corporations are much more able to control a population than a government ever could mm. a government has to do it by force uh, a corporation can do it through advertising and through uh, uh media and through everything out like that, I, that's personally so i that's why i think the idea of of uh, a shadow government is is silly mm. so so you've heard it here first, folks. Max Ward of the Extra Mundane Podcast, noted fan of the deep state <laughs> and puppet of the Illuminati. I, I I agree with you, especially having worked with and known people who have worked with the government and and had really kind of like hearings, you know. <laughs> The perfect, I think, encapsulation of like the ability of the average. Well, okay. I had a buddy who joined the military right out of college. Okay. You know, and like right out of high school. So I grew up in New York and 
when I was in school, um, when I was like in middle school, 9-11 happened. Like the first day of sixth grade, 9-11 happened. And one of my good friends was really, really affected by it and, and wanted to kind of join the military. And, you know, really, I think that became kind of instilled in him um, with all of that and everything. And he told me once this story about um, one of the days he spent kind of training him and his army buddies got so bored that they decided to just like dare each other to do stuff. And one of the dares ended up with like somebody sitting on a fire ant mound. Jesus Um, Christ. Yeah. And like that to me is like the perfect, you know, like there are people involved in the, in the military, (laughs) right? Like there are people involved in government and they're not good at keeping secrets or doing illegal stuff in secret. Like, you know, in the news right now, there's a, someone is in trouble for literally sending texts, sending Venmo transactions to, to his like lady friends being like, you know, hundred dollars for quote school end quote. And then like a grapefruit or whatever, like a, an eggplant emoji. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're not like a smart people. We're just not smart generally. And so if there was a big secret like that, it would, it would leak. Like if it has, has no one involved in UFOs ever tried to plan a surprise party. <laughs> it is impossible. Like you can't, it's, there's no surprises anymore ever. And like, and, and just the, I don't understand the end game. And if the end game is like to control the entire population, like they have done a terrible job at it. Like we have, and so the end game, and that's why I guess I think a corporation, their end game is profit and they're making profit. And that like, I can see, and they would do anything. They would, they would dump toxic waste to save money. They would uh, try and make people like use subliminal messaging to try and get people to buy their product. That makes perfect sense to me, but I don't see an end game or at least a successful end game in some sort of shadow government. There's, there's no clear, there's no clear and obvious yeah, there's no clear and obvious goal. You know, it's not like in Watchmen where, you know, they fake the alien invasion to, you know, whatever the hell. That was a terrible ending. You know what I mean? This is a terrible ending. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Um, all right, cool. So so the kind of the deep state ones you think are silly, which means you are a prime target um, when, when the end days come. Uh, all right, cool. So, well... I, I mean, the show sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really excited to listen. Um, once you dig into some of those UFO things, I think it'll be a lot of fun there. I think, I think it's going to be pretty sweet. What, uh, what do you want listeners to know about the show? Like what, what would you want listeners who are, you know, on the fence about listening? What, what's, what's your pitch to them? Pitch my listeners here. The extra mundane is just a lot of fun. If you, if you like, comedy or paranormal i think you'll really enjoy it. you don't have to be an expert going into it we uh we actually start each show like on our, uh, when we have the mothman on i give a brief two minute rundown of, of who the mothman is and what people believe in him and then we go into the interview so you actually learn a little bit right at the uh, at the start of the show and then it's really just uh, a, a silly time and it's I, I really especially after this year i really just wanted to put something out that was it's not clean. I think there's a little bit of swearing. It's PG-13, but it's just, it's fun. And I really, I really hope that uh, people listen to it and I just am able to make them laugh for a little while. It's also, it, it is also, I will say, listeners, very well produced. 
it's uh, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. I think you should all go and listen and download it for sure, and uh, and give it a shot. Yeah. Well, listen, Dan. It was such a pleasure having you on here to talk to us today. Great conversation. Good times. Um, people, again, my ghost guest, my ghost. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we forgot to tell people I had died thirteen years right, ago. Right, I'm sorry. He's a ghost. But people, my my. Guest today was comedian Daniel Kozu. Again, his show is The Extra Mundane with Max Ward. Please check it out. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Currently available on Podbean all over the place uh, through RSS feed and everything. And uh, and yeah, we'll we'll be tweeting it out there. So please check it out for sure. Dan, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.